Bill Barnett and Kevin Mills host the Investor Guys podcast and share their real estate investing insights, strategies, and knowledge for audiences across America. Did you know that the Investor Guys, Bill and Kevin, have comprehensive investor education trainings and events available? Live and virtual workshops, training programs, events, and more. Bill and Kevin even have hands-on training events, consultations, and quick start programs, including the acclaimed real estate buyers events all designed to get investors started and putting performing properties into their real estate portfolios. Bill and Kevin have each been successfully investing in real estate and educating real estate investors for decades and bring that experience to everything they do. Bill and Kevin both have unique approaches to investing and investor training and thousands of investors attribute their investing success to the trainings they have received from Bill and Kevin. If you are ready to get started as a real estate investor, the timing has never been better. Every day you wait to get started is a day forever lost. To check out how the Investor Guys are ready to get you started, visit InvestorGuys.com. That's www.InvestorGuys.com. Hello and welcome or welcome back as the case might be to Investor Guys podcast. Bill, how's it going? It's going excellent, Kev. You doing well today, brother? I am doing well. Just, uh, you know, typical waiting for phone calls, that type of thing. But uh, yeah, that's our life. That's our life. So welcome, everybody, to the Investor Guys podcast. Glad y'all are with us today. So uh, the, you, we and I were, uh, you and I were talking about uh, topics, and you have a topic uh, today that is hot. Everybody loves this. Uh, vital to asset protection, which is um, trust and using trust. Now, what kind of trust are you talking about and how are we talking about using them? What are we going to do today? Actually, we're going to talk about all, all types of trust. We're going to talk about the structure of a trust first because understanding how a trust works will show us how a trust will work when we're putting our, our property into trust. Now, keep in mind that we can layer trust with other things and we'll talk about that in this episode as well. The way a trust works, essentially, and I don't know if you know the history on trust or not, Bill, but this dates back to the days of Al Capone. Uh, Al Capone, when he went to prison, they took his cars, they took his money, they took a lot of things, but he kept his property. He kept his home right here in, in Miami Beach. He kept his real estate because his attorneys placed them into trust. So this goes back to what was called an Illinois land trust that's been around since the late 1800s. Um, and trusts have been around since even before then. They used yeah. them in feudal Roman days. That matter. Um, so the trust that we are familiar with today, though, is pretty much based upon the Illinois Land Trust, which is, again, used with a lot of success to protect properties through history. And like I said, one of the most those notorious ones was, like I said, Al Capone. The way a trust works is you place a property into trust. Trust is an imaginary vessel that you're placing the property into. You nominate a trustee. The trustee is the person who is responsible for safeguarding that vessel. Now, the person who benefits from, or persons who benefit from what is in that vessel, which in our case, we're talking about real estate that's performing, are called beneficiaries. Now, beneficiary can be an individual, it can be another trust, it can be a corporation, it can be an LLC, it can be an LP, it can be anything that is a, an entity or a living person. It can't be your cat, it can't be your dog in most states. Um, in some states they've allowed it. I think New York was one. So we have, we have a trust, which is holding our asset. 
We have a beneficiary, which is controlling this trust. Sorry, we have a, a trustee, which is controlling the trust. The trustee is the only person that is public record. The beneficiaries are not public record. When you place your property into trust, and, and I don't know about you, Bill, I know you're, you're kind of sketchy on, on trust. When I place a property into trust, I use the address. So it's 123 Market Street Trust. Now, that in and of itself does not protect me because somebody can literally do a title search and find out who has the note on the property. Once you start investing, as you know, Bill, we can, we can get notes in the name of our corporations, we can get notes in the name of our trust, we can get notes in the names of whatever else. The only person, the only information that is there though is the name of the trustee. So if somebody's trying to contact the person who owns the property, which are the beneficiaries, they can only get a hold of the trustee. Trustee's job is to say, I'm sorry, I can't tell you who the beneficiaries of this property are. That is literally their job. They are to forward any information that they get. So if they get a legal notice, they forward that to you. You decide what you want to do with it. Uh, when they get notices from the county, they forward that to you. You decide what you're going to do with it. But their job is to not disclose who the beneficiaries of the property are. Now, I go an extra step further. I hire my trustees through my attorney. So I am also protected by client attorney privilege. If they disclose anything by mistake or on purpose or whatever the situation is, it's inadmissible because it violated client attorney privilege. I actually go a step further. I actually have my property managers hired by my attorneys. I have them hire uh, lawn maintenance people and everything else through my attorney. So everything is covered by client attorney privilege. So I'm not going to have the lawn guys giving out information about anything to anybody, even if they knew it, because it's protected by client attorney privilege. So one of the things that, that I get into when we go with corporations, trust LCs, is layers. So think of it as an onion. And it's kind of a reference back to Shrek, but I, I used this reference before then. The more layers you have to get to, the more difficult it becomes. And as you start peeling away layers of the onion, you start getting more miserable. Your nose is running, your eyes are watering, and it's harder. When you get to the middle of that onion, what do you have? You don't have gold, you literally just have more onion, okay? The more difficult you make it for somebody, the less likely they are to go after you for something that is not going to be solid as far as a lawsuit or something like that. And the attorney's gonna look at the trusts and they're gonna say, this person has a trust and if you want to try and, and breach this trust, if you wanna try and, and, and crack it, it's gonna take a lot of time and you're gonna to have to pay me to do this because I'm not gonna do this on, on spec. This is gonna be a retainer case. And usually at that point, it goes away. Thoughts, questions so far? No, and, and uh, I have a related Al Capone trust story. Uh, when we get, maybe when we come back from the break, I'll tell you my kind of related. Okay, well, we're coming up on the break here in a minute, but I want, I want you to, to marinate on this as we go into the break. Layers, the more layers you put into this without confusing yourself, the safer you make it for yourself. So your real estate trust is a vessel in and of itself. So 123 Market Street is a trust. You're not going to put anything else into that trust. That is it. That real estate is it. Your beneficiary of that trust can be your family trust. 
It can be your corporation, it can be whatever. I typically will use LLCs and corporations and then the control of the LLCs or the control of the corporation shareholders of the corporations will be a family trust. But again, the more layers that we put into it, the more difficult it becomes. We'll talk about layers and how to interweave all of that when we get back. And we'll also talk about how to set up a trust. Let's go ahead and take a break. We'll be right back. DREPclub.com. That's DREPclub.com for the greatest real estate club on the planet. Workshops, presentations, trainings, education, resources, and more. The Directed Real Estate Professionals Club, DREPclub.com. Participate in person or virtually. www.DREPclub.com. Are you dumb enough to be rich? Well, are you? Bill Barnett's critically acclaimed book, Are You Dumb Enough to Be Rich?, is a personal account of Bill's own journey to becoming a real estate investor. In his book, Are You Dumb Enough to Be Rich?, Bill shares his experiences, insight, and advice in a well-written, easy-to-follow account that gets investors thinking and acting. Find Are You Dumb Enough to Be Rich? on Amazon and other outlets or purchase your copy directly at www.investorguyspodcast.com. And welcome back to the Investor Guys Podcast. Kevin Mills, Bill Barnett here today. We are talking about trust and uh, Kevin was uh, at the break was talking about making sure that as you build this, uh, what an important piece of asset protection it is. I want to throw out a couple of things, one to illustrate that and then one that's a, a crucial business point. The crucial business point is this, get off your assets, get out and do some business so that you have something to protect. Number one crucial business point. Now, the second thing to illustrate how effective what Kevin's talking about is, is the use of personal property trusts. That's a whole different thing or a slight adjunct to what we're doing. But I want to give you an example of this. Many of you are going to be old enough to remember this happening. If not, um, you probably have heard about it somewhere in history along the way. And that is Ted Kennedy, when he was a young guy, had an auto accident. Uh, Mary Jo Kopechny lost her life. Uh, he was uh, should have spent his life in jail. Oops, sorry. Um, but he got away with um, neglecting to uh, notify this um, notify anybody that she was in a car and she drowned and died. And there, the Kennedys were extremely rich. And one of the things that has been a mystery through the years is how come there was ever at least a civil trial brought by the Kopechnys and there was an attempt to do that. And what they discovered was that the car that Ted Kennedy was driving was held in a Kennedy personal property trust, meaning that if they won the suit and they likely would do that, the only asset they would be able to attach was the car. Which That's all they car. could get. And, yeah. And so, uh, it ended up that uh, nothing happened once they uh, got to that point, the attorneys dropped the suit and, and walked away. And that's kind of a, uh, it's a very sad uh, story there, but it is also shows the power of uh, how strong a personal property trust can be. And so there, uh, that's my Al Capone related, as I was telling you at the break. So and when, when I do these courses, I actually bring in the registration for my vehicles. My vehicles are either in the name of my corporations 
and the shares of my corporations are held by a trust or they're actually in the name of a trust because I have a lot of collector vehicles. I actually have them in a name of a trust. Um, I have two different trusts for that. And again, the only, the only way you can breach that information is, I, I honestly don't know. There's a legal way to do that because the whole entire thing was set up to protect you. So even if they knew, and, and they knew who controlled that trust, it was somebody in the Kennedy family. Okay, uh, when Chappaquiddick happened, which is what they refer to it as, uh, I think Papa Joe was still alive. He was. Know? And, and he was probably the one who was the primary beneficiary on the trust, but there was no way to go after him because of the way a trust is set up. So let's, let's go into that a little bit further. The first thing you need to do when you acquire your property is place it into trust. You can do that simply by doing a quick claim deed to your own trust, okay? One, two, three, Market Street Trust, file it at the county recorder's office, uh, with the name of a trustee. You do not file any work from your trust. If you put together a trust agreement that lists out the beneficiaries or anything else, you do not file that because then that becomes public record. A trust is blind. That means that there's no information that is recorded about a trust other than the trustee and the name of the trust. Okay, so this asset is now owned by legally because you've got a title to it, just like a vehicle. Okay, now legally owned by the trust. If somebody wants to try and sue you, and again, we're, this isn't so that we can get away with, with not doing what we're supposed to do. Okay, we live in a very litigious society, unfortunately, and some states are even more litigious than others. There are literally attorneys that encourage. Um, renters and encouraged literally people walking down the sidewalk to, to look for a crack in the, in the sidewalk to trip over and harm themselves so that they can go after the property owner because they know that that person has value if nothing else in that property that they can go after so everything we can do to protect ourselves we need to do that now the beneficial interest of that property can be you as an individual like we spoke of before it can be a family trust it can be a corporation, it can be an LLC. Now, the way I, I usually do it is I usually invest using corporations because I can get loans in the name of my corporations now because I've done this long enough that I have corporate credit. And whenever I can, I open another corporation and another corporation and another corporation so that I can build credit with those corporations. And I just have this string of, of entities. A corporation is considered an individual. I have the string of entities that I can get credit in. So the beneficial interest of that trust is the corporation. The corporation is who's also listed on the loan for that property. If somebody wants to say, okay, well, we'll sue the corporation because the corporation has a loan on it, so they must be the beneficiary. Usually the court will shut that down, but let's play devil's advocate and say that they don't. The corporation is only limited to that value of that property as far as the, the, the lawsuit goes, they're not able to do anything else. They're not able to disclose any other information as far as what that corporation owns because it is a privately held corporation. I do not trade that corporation. It is not publicly listed. I do not have a requirement to list what my assets are or anything else. Only the income that I have to pay taxes on. The shareholder of that corporation, if I have to list shareholders, and some states require that you do, some states don't. 
Uh, Nevada is one that you don't. Wyoming is one that you don't. Delaware is one that you don't. Uh, and we'll talk about layering corporations in a different episode or even another course. Um, they cannot come after the corporation for any assets because they don't know what assets to literally request. They can't go after a bank account because they don't know what bank account to go. Usually it's not going to get that far anyway. Usually the, the judge is going to say, you're, you're shooting into toilet paper. Nothing's going to happen. And that is the beauty of trust. That's why I like trust. And that's the conversation that we kind of had when we went into this bill was, was trust. And again, the more difficult you make it from the very beginning, from the very onset, when an attorney looks at this and he says, this is going to take a lot of time to do if we even get it done. And this isn't something I'm going to wait for, you know, a big payday because I don't see it happening anytime right. soon. It's going to be a lot of time. You're going to have to pay me a retainer in order to make this happen. Usually when the attorney has that conversation with their prospective client, the prospective client, they write, they write off their, their big dreams of, of suing you and they move on to looking for their next victim. And that's really why we wanna do this. This is the main reason why we're doing this is to protect ourselves. We're ready for a break. Yeah, we are, we're a little over. Back from that in just a second and we'll talk a little more about this as we wrap it up. All right. Did you know that the Investor Guys podcast with Bill Barnett and Kevin Mills are not only available on your favorite audio podcast platform, they're also available in video form on Facebook, YouTube, and the Investor Guys podcast website at www.investorguyspodcast.com. Bill and Kevin show actual numbers, projects, and more, all things you'll miss if you don't check out the video. So after you listen to this podcast, visit us online and watch it again, www.investorguyspodcast.com or on your favorite social media. Are you ready for a new type of real estate club? A club for new and seasoned real estate investors, as well as real estate professionals of all types, a real estate club that you can participate in virtually or in person. A real estate club that offers in-person and virtual presentations, workshops, events, networking, resources, and more. Though this may sound like the real estate club of the future, it is not science fiction. It is reality. Directed Real Estate Professionals, also known as DREP, was started in the late 1990s in Southern California and is growing into cities across America. Whether you live in one of these cities or not, you can participate and take advantage of all DREP has to offer. If you live in a city that already has a DREP meeting, join them in person or online the first and third Tuesdays of every month. If you live in a city that doesn't have a DREP, consider hosting your local meeting. We'll show you how to set up your local club and walk you through getting started everything to get it rolling. You can also join any area meeting online from anywhere in the world. Getting started is easy. Just check us out online at www.drepclub.com. That's www.drepclub.com, and we'll see you there. And we are back. And we were talking about trust and protecting ourselves and protecting our uh, our real estate, our assets. And while we were on the break, Bill and I were having a conversation and I'm not going to get into to Bill's experience on this, but one of the, one of the things that I, I really want to point out that gives you extra leverage and extra protection is that legal aspect of having an attorney hire your trustee, having an attorney take care of everything literally that you can have them do. And it's not that difficult to do. You don't have to have an attorney on retainer. 
Uh, some of us do, I know Bill does, but you can literally get LegalZoom or uh, prepaid legal even better. And you can contact your attorney that you work with through prepaid legal and they don't even charge you for this. You literally ask them to put together a higher agreement with their name on it for the client that you're, that you're going to hire. And it's protected because it is your attorney that hired them. They hired them on your behalf, but because they hired them for you, they are now an employee of that attorney. You're paying that attorney through your, your monthly fees that you're paying, but you're paying that employee through the attorney. And that is what gives you that extra layer of protection. A doctor patient and client attorney privilege is the gold standard. When, it, when you go to court, when you say, this is an uh, employee of the attorney, they are not able to breach their fiduciary responsibility. You know, the judge understands that. The judge typically has been an attorney before. The judge has been bound by client attorney privilege themselves and will be in the future as well. Um, so that is, that is again, the, the frosting on the cake on all of this. And again, what we wanna do in addition to protecting ourselves is to make it more difficult for someone to find who is at the middle of that onion. And literally when they get to that middle of that onion, there is nothing there, okay? It's, it's all smoke and mirrors. And it's mm -hmm. not so that we can get away with anything. It is, this, this will not let you not pay taxes. This will not let you not pay the mortgage on the property. This will protect you from frivolous lawsuits. Okay. And that's really what this whole thing is about is frivolous. And it also helps separate assets. So that if you have multiple trusts going on and something not frivolous happens uh, at one property, and I'll, I'll go back and I've, I've used this probably before uh, during the podcast somewhere, not today, but um, I had a, an acquaintance in Atlanta that had 150 multifamily units all together. Uh, and he had him in his personal name, and we had conversation about, dude, you are setting yourself up for a world of hurt. Uh, you need to get a corporate entity at a minimum, LLC. You got to do something. Well, a lady uh, in, in a, so here's a non-frivolous event. A lady was, uh, he had a three-story uh, property in one of his multifamily properties. Lady was walking down the stairs on a Sunday morning to go to church. She had a long flowing skirt on. She got her heel caught. She fell down the stairs. She broke her back and became a quadriplegic. That is tragic. So her attorney, uh, they, of course, he had insurance on his property. That insurance, you can exceed the value that the insurance will pay. The attorney went after everything and won and the guy got wiped out uh, because of the fact that he was, uh, I start to say poorly structured, he really wasn't structured at all, uh, but incredibly poorly structured. And that's what this is about. It doesn't protect you from something that you do wrong. Did he have some liability? Well, the court said, yes, he did. But if he had it structured correctly, it would have been held to either that trust, that LLC, and it wouldn't have wiped him out. She would have gotten a handsome sum of money, but it also would not have wiped him out 
uh, all the things that he had worked for for all that time. So that's what this is about is making sure that you're protecting your assets, not trying, as Kevin has said, not trying to do something inappropriate, illegal, but trying to make sure that uh, you don't get wiped out if something uh, bad does happen. And if you don't know who to nominate as a trustee, this is kind of in closing here, there are trusts, national trusts, they operate in all 50 states and they provide trustees and they have attorneys as well. And they typically charge anywhere from 100 to $1,000 a month, depending upon the type of trust agreement that they want you to be the trustee for. Um, I highly, if you've got an asset that is of any value, I highly recommend using one of these instead of your cousin Bobby or your, your sister or your nephew or something like that. Have a professional trust company, nominate a trustee. They will keep track of everything for you. They also have insurance. So if they do something that fails you, then you can actually sue them. Their insurance will cover it. Um, again, not anything we're trying to escape responsibility for, not so that we can get away with anything, but literally to protect our assets, exactly as Al Capone was able to do. When Al Capone was released from Alcatraz, he moved into his house in Miami Beach. The house is still there. It's actually a, a bed and breakfast now. Um, he moved into his house in Miami Beach and lived out the rest of his life on the income that his properties in Chicago and New York and other places where he had bought property were making for him because he still had those properties. I don't know if you knew this, this is a, a fun car fact, Bill. The police confiscated Al Capone's limo and Al Capone's limo actually had a siren on it so that he could get through traffic, okay? <laughs> it was also bulletproof. The FBI used it for a while because they didn't have any bulletproof vehicles. And for a while it served as the presidential limousine because it had the wow. siren on it and it was bulletproof. And it was before the president, it was the first bulletproof presidential limousine. And I did not know that. assets that they took from Al Capone um, that weren't in trust. So let's wrap this up right. and uh, yeah. we'll have something interesting to talk about on Monday. And so we trust you had a, uh, a enjoyable, informative podcast with us, uh, all pun intended there. And uh, please join us again right here on the Investor Guys podcast. Jump over to the website, investorguyspodcast.com. If you'd like to email Kevin or I, it's Kevin at investorguyspodcast.com or Bill at investorguyspodcast.com. Reach out to us. Uh, make sure that you subscribe, like, and join us next time right here on the Investor Guys Podcast. Kev? We'll see, see you guys you soon. Bill, have a good one. See you now.